Greetings, greetings, greetings. Apparently, today is not just the day that we laugh at the humiliating collapse of Ron DeSantis. Today is also the day that we laugh at Kingpilled for getting started 25 minutes late. Uh, I guess we'll survive. Um, I think we've been through that before. You guys have been around here for... I don't know, even just a couple of months, then you know that this has long been a king pill tradition, getting started way too late. I'm quiet. Okay. So we're, we're going to do the audio thing again here. Um, well, I'm going to pull it up, and you guys let me know if that's better. And then my guess is that when Cooper makes it in here, then we're going to have to do the same thing with him, try to equalize our audio. Fortunately, today... Uh, as of right now, I only have one video to show you guys, so we shouldn't have to deal with video audio, uh, that much. Tubit says audio is good. Okay, good. Um, so welcome guys. Welcome to King Pilled, uh, whether you're listening on YouTube right now or on Twitter or listening to the podcast later found on whatever podcatchers you prefer to, to use, uh, or if for the first time in a very long time, you are watching this streaming live on Facebook. There is now a King Pilled Facebook page, uh, so I can start posting stuff there and not have to draw as much attention to my own personal Facebook page. That one's probably going to get shut down a lot more privately here very shortly. If for nothing else, than for the sake of my, my, my poor wife who has to tolerate being married and having a child with uh, yours truly. Um, so yeah, so there's a Facebook page now. Uh, I have increasingly come to just despise Facebook. It just, it pisses me off endlessly. I, it's so not user-friendly and, uh, I don't know. There's just a lot more interesting content elsewhere, but I know that there are lots of people still on Facebook and we want to get this in front of as many people as possible. So, uh, we have a King Pilled Facebook page for those of you, uh, who still tolerate the platform and we are streaming live there as I speak right now. So that puts us at Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube, where we stream live. And then, like I said, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever whatever weird uh, fat, uh, uh, podcast platforms that you use. I, of course, am a noble Apple user. I have blue text bubbles because um, I'm not a loser degenerate. Uh, so I just use Apple Podcasts when I want to listen to a podcast. Uh, increasingly, I just basically just use YouTube. I just give money to YouTube every month uh, to have uh, a YouTube premium, and that's where I stream everything. Uh, but I understand that that isn't the case for most people, so we want to put it in front of you wherever you can find it. Um, Cooper's going to be here in just a little bit. He had uh, a time issue, which is kind of ironic after our, our Flat Earth discussion yesterday. Um, I'm curious if just saying that phrase now will will get the we have the we have our little uh, uh, we're part of the special club now we have the little banner on our on our last video uh, informing people that we dared discuss the pseudoscientific heresy that is flat Earth. Um, so I wonder if now having said it twice if if it's going to be on this episode. Um, but uh, so Cooper is at the gym and uh, realized when I called him. 15 minutes after we were supposed to start that he was, uh, that the, the clock at the gym was an hour off and he thought that, uh, he still had 45 minutes to get back. So he says in the, in the chat, he says he's cooming. Uh, so we'll see him here shortly. What's up silver pie. Good to see you here live again. 
Uh, so I'm just going to kind of vamp here for a couple minutes and give him time to show up because I want to get his take on some of what we're what we're talking about today. Um, and then I actually have I have a funny little uh, a funny tweet to share uh, that I think he'll appreciate. I don't know for sure if he's listening live or not, so I'm going to share that one for when he actually gets here. Uh, but in the meantime, let me share this little little interesting headline that I just saw. Uh, not necessarily directly related to what we're going to talk about today, but it is related to stuff we've talked about in the past. So CNBC, this is a label uh, Friday, December 22, 2023, says tech companies like Google and Meta made cuts to DEI programs in 2023 after big promises in prior years. Huh. I wonder who predicted this. The uh, everyone has, has said for a long time that the the big fear with the with with AI and, and automation that it's going to put all the blue collar workers uh, out of work. But uh, yours truly, among other people, has pointed out that that's not what's happening. It is actually the white collar workers who are having their tasks automated, which really once you understand like what it is that that uh, that AI actually is with these these large language models, the way that they function and what they do, it actually makes sense that it would be the digital skills, the 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 soft skills would be the ones that would get automated. Uh, the, the quickest and the most comprehensively. We're, uh, regardless of how you feel about it, we are uh, uh, not too many years away. It's already starting from being governed basically by these large language models and by the programs that run through them. Uh, most specifically because it's not just going to be HR and the creative uh, uh, you know, writing and, and producing films and, and that sort of thing. Those aren't the only things that are going to get uh, funneled through automation. Uh, law is going to get funneled through automation. You're going to have uh, the, the career of being a lawyer is increasingly going to be subjected to this new technology. And I would say even more than lawyering perhaps would be uh, the judge itself. It's going to be overwhelmingly, given how uh, compelling this technology is going to be to the average person. It's just a matter of time before it just becomes so, uh, the, the sales pitch is going to become so easy to make that the impartial large language model is a much better judge than the, uh, the actual human judge who's flawed and subject to forgetfulness, or, you know, maybe they, they didn't ad adequately survey all of the case law before, uh, making their determination, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so uh, as to the, the article itself here, uh, it's kind of funny how they frame this. You could probably uh, predict it. Uh, after vocal commitments following the murder of George Floyd in 2020, DEI programs in the tech industry are in broad retreat. Uh, so of course, you got to have the, 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 the George Floyd uh, reference and the, the particular inaccurate framing of it that he was murdered. Uh, and then uh, uh, some companies have laid off DEI staffers and leaders of diverse employee resource groups, downsized learning and development programs, and cut budgets for external DEI groups by as much as 90% in 2023, sources told CNBC. Uh, gee, I wonder why. Think about being a, uh, uh, trying to run a business. For any of you who've ever run a business or, or, or been involved intimately in the, the operations of running a business, imagine having to try to support DEI staffers and leaders of diverse employee resource groups. Imagine not just having to support that, but having to support your employees being involved in that, like having to pay for employees to do this pointless, wasteful stuff 
while also trying to maintain profitability. It is, this is just bloat. It's just uh, uh, ideological bloat added to these uh, institutions. And the great irony is that the sustained period of, of artificial inflation and all the loose monetary policy is actually creating the pretext whereby these uh, uh, creations of the regime are getting taken out. Um, however, a lot of people are going to frame this to you as, aha, the free market winning again. Look at this. It's, it's, we told you, get woke, go broke. And that's not at all what's happening here. This is just the natural progression of events. You're not going to get automated DEI. You're not going to get artificial intelligence DEI unless you first have employee resource, diverse employee resource groups and, and the, the HR, uh, the entire HR industry. It had to exist occupied by people before it could be, it could exist being occupied by machines. This is just a natural progression of that. And that's, that shouldn't be taken as a black pill either. It's neither. This is the way that, this is the way that technology and human societies evolve and adapt through time. This is, you could trace all of these trends back tens of thousands of, nah, not tens of thousands of years. You could trace them back at least 2000 ish years. Tens of, of, uh, of centuries is what I was thinking of. You can trace all these trends back as, as far as you want. This is just a continuation of the process and it, and it shouldn't be a black pill or a white pill. Just take it as a clear pill. It just is what it is. The good side of it is all of these useless people are going to be out on their ass where they belong. Uh, the downside of that is all of these useless people are going to be out on their ass. Uh, the the upside is all of these people are you're gonna you're the entire system is gonna become much more predictable and easy to navigate around because you're not having to deal with people you're just dealing with programs programs are predictable because programs aren't conscious programs just do what they're programmed to do so having DEI be a program that runs just means it's gonna become essentially like you know taxation or whatever. It just is a thing that's there. Everyone knows where it, where it is. Everyone knows the constraints and the borders around it. And you just, you know, just put in whatever fluff you need here and there and <clears throat> just move on with it. That's the, that's the upside. You know, there's, so there's an upside and a downside to, to it, no matter how you look at it. Um, but I wanted to take this opportunity to fill some space and to pat myself on the back for predicting it. How's it going? I'm here. Here I am. At last. At last. Green. I'm green. How's the workout? Um, well, it was leg day, so I was rushing to get downstairs here, and I almost ate shit coming down the stairs because <laughs> my legs were shaking and giving out. <laughs> that would have been funny to just... I guess your camera wasn't on. It'd be funny if your camera had been on, and you, I'm just, we're just sitting here, and all of a sudden you just come at, like ass over tea kettle down, tumbling down into the camera view. <laughs> With a broken jaw and my teeth falling out. Yeah. <laughs> uh all right. So were you were you listening to anything we were talking about? Yeah, I was listening. Okay. Do you have any thoughts on this? <clears throat> Not really, just like this this I mean surprise, the white collar, you know, stuff is getting automated. Cause, you know. A robot can do spreadsheets. A robot can't fit a pipe, you know? Mm-hmm. 
That's a very good way of putting it. What's up, Willie Jenkins? Says he's never caught a king pilled live. Well, it's good to have you here. What's well, good? Uh, the uh, one uh, Cooper doesn't need much audio. What does that mean? I, I was just <laughs> what does that ask, mean? Do I need a little more? Mean... I'll just move yeah. the mic a little closer. <laughs> All right, confusing here. us, slow boy. <sighs> hey guys. Oh, is it? We gonna get one of those ASMR episodes you've been promising? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh, that was... You might actually have a future there. Satisfying? Yeah. That that kind of made it tingle. Ooh, all right. Kind of got me down in the Ghibli bits. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, quick reminder to people, if you're if you're new to the channel, this made me think of it with Willie Jenkins being here for the first time, we do have channel memberships. Uh, you can sign up. It's, I think it's $4.99 a month and uh, get you access to... Uh, the cool little little king badge by your name, and you can use all the all the nifty emotes. And we're gonna start uh, doing some private streams here pretty soon, members only streams. Uh, we've got some some plans for how we're gonna do that, and uh, we'd like you guys to be able to join in those with us. Uh, so um, if you'd like to uh, become a channel member, if you can't, if you're trying to find it and you're on a phone, for some people it just isn't visible on the on the phone app. You got to go to the desktop app um, or the desktop site, I guess. Uh, but we uh, uh, we'd appreciate it. We we appreciate the members that we have now. Uh, it's fun seeing the little green text come through. Um, so shout out Well Emanuel, Slowboy Whiteboard. Um, see a few different random username. We've got a few different uh, members in there. Okay, let's. So one other just kind of uh, fun little tweet that I wanted to share. Oh, did I kill it? Oh no, here it is. Um, this is, this one's literally just for the lols. Um, hello everyone. Hard maxing. Okay. So <laughs> this is from, from tard maxing your timeline said one of my favorite <laughs> Trump stories. First of all, that's a fantastic name. Uh, second of all, <laughs> one of my favorite Trump stories when Reince Priebus was at the, was the white house chief of staff, president Donald Trump often subjected him to questioning about badgers. The state animal of previous home state of Wisconsin, a new book says. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just visualizing like the chief of staff shows up and sits down in the Oval Office getting ready to have a very serious meeting. And Trump is like, he's like, right. He's like, aren't you from Wisconsin? What's up with those badgers? What's the deal with badgers? Tell me about badgers. And he's like, uh, sir, you know, we've got some information on Iran, on Iran here. And he's like, no, 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 no. Hold on. Let's talk about badgers. <laughs> So according to this book, he asked Priebus if badgers are mean to people, how they work, and what they eat. <laughs> how do badgers work? <laughs> are they mean to people? <laughs> Trump would raise these questions while Priebus is trying to brief him on domestic and foreign policy. <laughs> and at one point, Trump reportedly also asked him whether badgers have a personality or if they're boring. And he wondered if Priebus could show him pictures of badgers. <laughs> Do you remember that story? The Gorilla Channel? Yeah. <laughs> Let me Where, see if I can find that. Apparently Trump would just spend hours watching gorillas. And yeah. he was okay, like... Yeah, it was, a, it was a parody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember it was total hoax, but... People took it seriously. They totally just took the bait that Trump sits there and actually looks at the gorillas and thinks they're people. Oh, let's see. Is this it? 
please work, please work, please work, please work. <laughs> yes. Okay, so this is supposedly an extract from the book about him. On his first night in the White House, President Trump complained that the TV in his bedroom was broken because it didn't have the Gorilla Channel. <laughs> Trump seemed to be under the impression that a TV channel existed that screened nothing but Gorilla-based content 24 hours a day. <laughs> To appease Trump, White House staff compiled a number of guerrilla documentaries <laughs> into a makeshift guerrilla channel broadcast into Trump's bedroom from a hastily constructed transmission tower on the South Lawn. <laughs> However, Trump was unhappy with the channel they created, moaning that it was boring because the guerrillas aren't fighting. <laughs> staff edited out all the parts of the documentaries where guerrillas weren't hitting each other, and at last the president was satisfied. On some days, he'll watch the Gorilla Channel for 17 hours straight, an insider told me. He kneels in front of the TV with his face about four inches from the screen and says encouraging things to the gorillas like, the way you hit that other gorilla was good. <laughs> I think he thinks the gorillas can hear him. <laughs> oh, man. This is from uh, uh, at Pixelated Boat. Uh, tweeted it out on January 4, 2018. First of all, like, absolutely brilliant interneting that's just passing it off making it look like an actual <laughs> screenshot from the book and just the 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 entire premise is perfectly designed to go viral and like the thing we were talking about yesterday what's real what's fake when when do those when does performance reality cross over it was amazing because it was actually kind of believable there was there was it seemed preposterous and insane, but in an era where things that are preposterous and, and insane happen all the time, it actually is almost believable. Um, but that in itself actually says something about Trump, I think, that'll, that'll become relevant as we get into the conversation about, uh, um, about Ron DeSantis. Welcome, Willie Jenkins. Oh, uh, what's up, Willie Jenkins? Welcome to the King Pilled, a new, new channel member. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you joining us. Um, I know some channels I see, like whenever they get a new member, it automatically pops up and it has like a little jingle that plays and stuff. I wonder how they do that. It might be like Streamlabs or something. Um, anyways, uh, I'd rather have an AI judge than a BIPOC whammon of Koa judge. <laughs> yeah, well said. All right. So let's close that and... So the main substance of uh, the show today here is uh, laughing at the humiliating collapse of Ron DeSantis, <laughs> the uh, the campaign of Ron DeSantis. It uh, it's kind of interesting how his campaign and himself, like they're kind of become sort of the same thing, where you can't. It's like a branding thing or something like that, where his campaign becomes equivalent to him. So then anything that his campaign does, even if it wasn't something he explicitly endorsed or signed off on or whatever, it becomes part of him, just sort of by default. Um, and that's something that, like, my issue really hasn't been with DeSantis himself. Not directly. But it's the way that his campaign has gone and what that says about the people he's listening to the the stuff he is signing off on and and how it ends up making him look to the public um it's uh silver pie says can ron top the please clap meme that is jeb bush i mean that's that's just the thing like the very fact that someone would equate ron DeSantis to jeb bush's please clap moment is 
that's I, that's all you need to know. This is the way that politics works. This is just how the game is played. <laughs> Please clap. <laughs> yeah, like the one of the most pathetic, humiliating things that's ever happened to a public figure was Jeb Bush getting called spineless and what did a low energy being a so <laughs> being a, a, a would be president having the most interesting person in the world call you low energy and then having a video go out of you having to beg people to clap for you making good points just absolute utter humiliation and here we have people direct thinking of Ron DeSantis and thinking of Jeb Bush please clap I don't I don't I don't think that you could have any more of an indictment of how the campaign has gone and you can give me all the arguments you want about what their intent was or what they were trying to do or how they're just being misunderstood or people just don't get it or the Trump doesn't campaign matter. fights dirty. doesn't matter. This is the reality of the game is that you lost. And you didn't just lose. You absolutely catastrophically face-planted in one of the most epic ways in political history. Like a year ago, Ron DeSantis was one of the most popular right-wing figures. People were seriously talking about him as a king-like figure. Red Caesar was Caesar and emperor and stuff. People were th th throwing memes around, associating him with that. Now, he's a complete afterthought. He doesn't. Not the even. only reason people people even think about him is to make fun of him. Not even. Not even an afterthought. Like he just completely you, like yesterday, yesterday when I was asking you who all is running this year and you listed everyone off, you completely forgot about him. Yeah, he just never it just didn't even cross my mind. So this is actually um, I'll read a, a, a part of a tweet that I, I put out last night while I was thinking about this, because there's a there's a, a back and forth going on. And we're going to read through a bunch of tweets today on the show because um, uh the, uh, the other people have said really interesting things and there's no point in just trying to like recreate the ideas and pass them off as my own. I'll just share with you what the other people have said. Um, so the, well, so for me last night, I said, I've done a small political podcast for about three years. I didn't want DeSantis to run for president because he was such a good governor. And I didn't think he'd have the political capital to even win much less effectively navigate DC as a powerful executive. So like, it, I didn't even think he was going to have the political capital to win, but even if he did win, then he's going to have to go to D.C. and he's going to have to try to go through everything we just saw Trump go through, being blockaded and every. And I, in order to do something like that, you just have to have an immense force of personality and or a ton of political capital. And there's just no way that this governor of Florida that hasn't been there that long that you know just kind of came out of nowhere. Like there's no way he's going to have the political capital to actually do that. So this is me as like a really big Ron DeSantis fan who didn't want him to run for president because I valued him in his role. So then I said on a live stream tonight, I was trying to list the people still in the race and I completely forgot him. He just totally slipped my mind. That's how much of a non-factor he's become. But it's even worse now. I don't even trust him as a governor. I have zero interest in his political future. Not antagonistically so. I, I'm just completely indifferent to him because he's now so transparently owned and absolutely god-awful at campaigning. He'll be a failure in whatever race he ever gets involved in. He's just a terrible campaigner, one of the worst I've ever seen. And I should have been the exact demographic he was meant to appeal to. Yeah, you know, he <clears throat> totally nailed the last election, and I don't think he could. I I heard something about term limits, like he couldn't run in Florida again, even if he wanted. I don't know if that's the case or not. But setting that aside, 
it's just interesting that in the last election, he just totally carpet bombed, just napalm. And if he were to run again after having campaigned for president, I don't think he could win. No, I, I think, think he so just either. totally screwed himself. Yeah, I don't like. I don't think that he would win. Like, I, I, he, if he ran for like state office, I don't think that he would win. I think yeah. he's he's become he's Sick. gotten he's had like the worst thing that could happen to him as a man. He's become s- seen as like like pathetic and goofy. Like that's the last he's, possible thing you want to be as a man. He's given me the ick. Yeah, he's given a lot of people the ick. <laughs> um, so one thing that it kind of reminded me of was, uh, well, first of all, let's do this. This is one of the biggest, we'll get into some of these tweets here in a minute, but this is one of the biggest things. Everyone's already talking about it in the comments. This is one of the biggest things that, that you might, if you're, still holding on to some of this naive boomer idealism. You might look at this and be like, oh, well, that shouldn't matter. Like, what are his policies? How would he govern? What sort of, of, of deal-making? Like, this that's, okay, whatever. If you don't appreciate just how important this is, you're hopeless. Ron DeSantis and his boots. <laughs> look at this. He's, I, there's a whole bunch of them to choose from, so... Look at his feet in these boots. Does this, like, you can see the freaking outline of his foot right here. <laughs> this is very obviously not just like a lift, but like a four or five inch lift inside his boot. Look at this. The dude's freaking standing on high heels. It's so, so obvious. Why would you do this? He walks like a goober in him. <laughs> Look at that. Look at the fucking shape of his leg. <laughs> like, how do you possibly do something like this? How, like, if you're nervous about him being seen as short, don't freaking highlight it. Now you get like you're insecure about your height, and you're so in, you're so desperately insecure that you'll do something this transparently goofy. This is permanently discrediting. What this reveals about your psychology and the psychology of the people that you choose as advisors, the team that's around you, what this reveals is just absolutely devastating. Look at that. What the? What? Like, even freaking wearing cowboy boots with his suit like this to begin with (laughs) looks totally hokey. Yeah, wearing, like, sneakers would look better than that. Or yeah. even Crocs, like people are saying, joking in the comment, wearing Crocs with a suit would look better than that. Right. At least it would like have like kind of like a unique like like degaff kind of kind of aesthetic to it. But like, there's nothing about Ron DeSantis that looks like he's like a down home country boy. He's like he's a he's a fucking accountant. He's a nerd. Don't try to don't try to make him look like some cool alpha Chad. Lean into the fact that he's kind of an awkward, goofy nerd. It, it, it's, it's rough to have to work with that as like a starting point, but it worked before. Even this, like, oh, look at him. He's going to go down and get dirty and, 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 and work. He's a man of the people. He looks like a dork. Do you remember when, do you remember that, uh, I don't know. I don't remember if it was a video or if it was just pictures, but 
He was in like a quickie mart somewhere buying quest bars. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like me, man. He's, he's just like <laughs> he's counting his carbs and yeah, he's, he's on a cut. That whole thing just just makes him come off. It, it, it's so try hard. That's really like that's the that's the vibe that I've gotten from him from the beginning of his campaign. His whole campaign is all trying to cast him as this like as as he's like he's this very serious policy wonk sort of guy who has who's legitimate has 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 like a uh, uh, legitimate executive capabilities and he's also this real down home uh, you know, just he's an ordinary dude. Look at this. He's going to come walk through the diner and he's going to chit chat with people. And it's 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 like. It's like when you're watching a, a car crash and you can't look away, it's so bad watching him try to be like chummy and ham it up and chop it up with people and stuff. He's so obviously uncomfortable. He's so out of his depth. He has you could tell he, he could give a shit what the guy behind the diner counter has to say to him. He's like, oh, I'm all right. I'm out here. I'm pressing the flesh and doing this thing because this is the way you're supposed to campaign. It's the fact that either he didn't have the political sense to surround him with people that aren't going to act like it's 2012. Or the fact that he doesn't have that intuition himself. In either case, this is damning. It's very clear the guy doesn't know what time it is. It's very clear he has no connection to actual people. There's no Tyler indication says, whatsoever that he knows how to play the game. Tyler says it's like an episode of The Office. That's exactly right. Yes. Yes. That's exactly it. The Office or or Parks and Rec. Like he looks <laughs> like he'd be a character out of Parks and Rec. He definitely wears his t-shirt when swimming. <laughs> yeah. You just like if this is the material like that you're starting off with, like it, it, you know, <clears throat> this is the this is uh, granted if you if you're having to run a campaign for this for this like this is what the guy looks like and you've got to try to make it compelling i don't envy that job it's it's hard especially when you're going up against a force of nature like trump but you've got to recognize that's the reality of it his campaign has been so bad that it's it's tough to tell whether or not it was just being actively sabotaged by people. Like the people were put there in, in, in place to be, to deliberately run like an obtuse, like completely out of touch campaign. But the worst part has been the behavior of his, the, the, the so-called blue checks that support him, the, 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 the personalities on Twitter who are very obviously very, very obviously either on the payroll or effectively on the payroll, given how they behave and how they go about this. And there's a few in particular that I wanted to highlight. Um, but before we do that real quick here, I wanted to, what this reminds me of, the way the campaign has gone, reminds me of, of an extremely painful, long, drawn out version of the Dean scream. I don't know if you guys are, are familiar with this. I've, I vaguely remember it happening. Howard Dean was candidate for president in 2004. Uh, he was he was running in the uh, the uh, Democrat, Democrat, Democratic. You got me self conscious about thinking about Democratic, how Democratic. Yeah, you're passing. Um, uh, so the 
what was it? It was right after the Iowa caucus. Okay, so he just lost the Iowa caucus to John Kerry, and he's trying to like reassure his supporters that that all is well, and um, we're all good. And this is what happened. You know something? You know something? If you had told us one year ago that we were going to come in third in Iowa, we would have given anything for that. And you know something? You know something? Not only are we going to New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California and Texas and New York. And we're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. Yeah! That was the Dean scream. That's all, basically all he's known for now is the Dean scream. That absolutely <laughs> nuked his campaign. And he was already, he came in third in Iowa. So like he was already, that's what his campaign's, his campaign's defense was, no, 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 we were going to lose anyways. That wasn't what did it. The campaign was so bad, we were going to lose anyways. So like, that's a really bad spot to be in. Where your campaign's like, no, 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 this horribly embarrassing thing isn't what, ta what tanked us. We were already fucked anyways. <laughs> <laughs> he reminds me of a Pentecostal preacher. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's I think that was the vibe that totally turned people off on him. This is like all of the late night shows and everything picked up on this. This is what there was. I think it was like, was it Howard Stern? Or someone had a button, a Dean screen button that they would push <laughs> that did the drop of ah! every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's this is this is this is DeSantis. Except DeSantis didn't have this one little gaffe that just characterized everything. His entire presidential campaign has just been one long gaffe. And the problem is, all along the way, when people have been pointing this out, like this campaign's not going well. Your guys' messaging sucks. DeSantis war room. This, yeah, the DeSantis war room. Like, again, back to the idea that they're being deliberately sabotaged. Anybody who understands branding, like personal branding and sales and marketing, would not recommend that your public image on Twitter be something that you're directly ripping off the guy who's a heavy favorite that you're running against. It's, like, preposterous. It's either completely amateurish or it's an intentional effort to take him down. I'm I'm inclined toward the latter. I think that it's there's a there was an intentional effort to take him down and the the people who surrounded him who were sincere about him were too amateurish to know any better. So this this gets into uh some of the tweets from uh from yesterday that I wanted, or not all of them for yesterday, but some of the stuff I wanted to highlight here. Let me close out some of these tabs so I can focus on what I'm doing. Um, so the first one I wanted to highlight is this one here from uh, CJ Engel on Twitter. This is, I had started following him recently. A lot of people were following him and I've really liked a lot of the stuff I've seen from him. Um, he says he's a reformed Catholic. I'm not going to hold that against him too much. He's got a Spangler quote in, uh, uh, in his bio and Reformed he says, Catholic. What does that mean? Like, I'm not Anglican? sure. He says historical sympathies in Anglicanism. So I don't know. Okay. I don't know exactly where he's coming from, but, right. um, traditionalist reactionary right wing heritage American. He's, he's, 
he's in our milieu. Okay. And uh, Bill Mitchell, that big freaking goofball, said, uh, in general, Trump supporters want to burn the GOP down and DeSantis supporters want to fix it. I think oh, that that's... that sentence right there, I think, perfectly summarizes the difference between the two campaigns, at least in effect. Mm -hmm. CJ's uh, addition to that, he said, this has some truth to it, and it's why I'll never vote DeSantis. Murray Rothbard once said the worst thing about Reagan is that he revitalized Americans' trust in the regime after it was at record levels of disapproval after Nixon. The American regime is the enemy of the people. I think this this does get at the heart of the divide between like Trump Americans and DeSantis Americans. The DeSantis Americans want to rehabilitate and use the executive to try to reform and and return us to our founding values, yada yada yada. Nixon which is got the same shafted. old what? Nixon got shafted. Yeah, yeah, he did. He got a yeah. bad rap. Uh-huh. I kinda like him. I do too. <laughs> Uh, I have big reasons to dislike him too, but but just in general, I kind of like his 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 ethos, his his brand. Um, but uh, yeah, the 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 DeSantis pitch has been just the same old Republican song and dance we've been getting from for forever. Uh, and there's a I had a tweet in here that I want to highlight that uh, that directly related to that, so I'm going to save that thought for now. I think the the tweet that really kicked off this conversation as it's been happening on Twitter lately. Uh, was this one here from Kurt Schlichter. So um, I used to be a big fan of Kurt. I followed him. He's pretty funny. Um, kind of back in the days where I, uh, uh, my ANCAP days, as I was starting to recognize that neither left nor right is gay and starting to actually be, you know, finding these right-wing personalities and being interested by them. Kurt was one of the first few that I started following. Um, since then, he's really become very clearly part of this milieu that we'll talk about more as we go on today of the, the, the DeSantis campaign and the DeSantis supporters, broadly speaking. But I think this is the tweet that really kicked things off. First of all, he tweeted this thing at, I think he's on the West Coast. I don't remember, but I think he's on the West Coast. And so he tweeted this at eight o'clock in the morning on Christmas Day. First of all, like, dude, like, do you have friends? Do you have a family? Like, why are you tweeting about Ron DeSantis at eight o'clock in the morning on Christmas. He says, absolutely none of the people insisting that Ron DeSantis has somehow run a terrible campaign, which he has not, would ever vote for anybody yeah, but Donald is. Trump. Yeah, yes. None of them would vote for Ron DeSantis over Trump, even if Ron DeSantis had some sort of theoretically perfect campaign or communicated differently or not worn cowboy boots or any of that nonsense. None. People liking Trump is not a function of Ron DeSantis's campaign skills or other attributes. It's okay to just say you just like Trump better. When you try to blame Ron DeSantis for your choice, it indicates to me that you have doubts about it. I don't have any doubts about Ron DeSantis. Ugh. I mean, this is, if this isn't a paid campaign ad, then you're like Kurt Schlichter's bad at business. You should be getting paid to, to publicly slob a dude like this. Ugh. The whole, I, I, <clears throat> what's difficult for me to wrap my mind around, and we've got a bigger example of this here in a little bit, is these guys who, when when Trump was a thing, they completely understood Trump with respect to the rest of the GOP. They totally got how Trump is like a middle finger to them and all this stuff about decorum and and whatever. And they were just fuck your feelings. You know, this is this is his whole vibe with respect to the rest of the GOP. Now he's turned around and he's acting like the GOP did to Trump. 
he's before he's this big Trump guy who think Trump's amazing and loves the way that he's sticking his middle finger out for the GOP. And now he's turning around and the exact same phenomenon that he was like, yeah, ha ha, suck it before. Now he's like, hey, you, you, you know, just like Trump. You're just not open minded. You're not willing to actually think about my candidate. It's so pathetic and whiny. It's just yeah. annoying. But this is the thing that kicked off the conversation. And um, so if a couple different guys had some really good responses to it that I wanted to highlight here. Um, well, that's annoying. It doesn't automatically share it again. Okay. First one is this guy here, Pas Pascal Emmanuel Gobri. Um, interesting guy. I don't really know a whole lot about him, but I followed him for a while, and he has pretty base take, so I like him. He... Um, so, so Kurt Schlichter's original tweet, uh, Tim Pool quote, quote tweeted it. We've got the 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 real uh, Titanic intellects out here. Tim Pool says, "100% false. I supported Ron in 2022, and his campaign is abject failure." I'd also, I, I would just like to highlight that the whole DeSantis position is no, his campaign hasn't been a failure. And you've got fucking Tim Pool tweeting to. Uh, 2 million followers that his campaign has been an abject, abject failure. I think that's a pretty good definition of an abject failure of a campaign. If you have a significantly influential person with a massive audience publicly saying your campaign was an abject failure, that's like the definitional metric of whether or not your campaign's been an absolute failure. He says, I'd also vote for most of the libertarians and Vivek. The inability for DeSantis supporters to recognize their failures explains his massive drop in the polls and loss of donors. So Kurt Schlichter's response, it's not recognizing the obvious reality that if you have a fucking Tim Pool saying your campaign's a failure, your campaign's a failure. He says, no, you just prefer Trump. There's no magic move that undoes that. Trying to frame the Ron DeSantis campaign as somehow bad and exactly what is bad never gets articulated simply distracts from the fact people who like Trump like Trump. Oh, come on, dude. So the uh, Pascal Emmanuel Gobri says, with respect for what it's worth, I'm a Trump guy, but I seriously considered Ron DeSantis. He made a conscious decision, he or people around him, but the buck stops with him, like I was saying a minute ago. Instead of billing himself as Trump 2.0, same policies and ideas, but more competent and disciplined, which is the campaign that I think everybody expected him to run, he billed himself as anti-Trump. First on the vax, typical consultant think, oh, we'll outflank Trump on the right, 300 IQ. Which this gets back to the, like, is it a, is it a, a deliberate um, uh, undermining? Like people getting hired to deliberately throw him under the bus. Oh, we're just trying to campaign like normal. Look at this is a typical consultant think. We're going to, oh, we're going to outflank Trump on the right. We're going to, like, it's hard. It's kind of hard to, to parse whether this is actually intentional or if it's just pure incompetence, because it's awful convenient if it's just pure incompetence. But when your best case scenario is your consultants are incompetent, your fucking campaign was an abject failure. Then targeting evangelical boomers and talking about how he was more social conservative. You're riled up today, aren't you? I am. <laughs> uh, talking about how he was more socially conservative and Jesus-y than Trump. Except that those people have been well aware of Trump's heresy since 2016 and have made the determination, rightly or wrongly, that the pluses outweigh the minuses. Whatever. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback, but it's definitely the case that between the beginning of the campaign and now, conscious decisions were made that, at least in retrospect, 
look like they were designed to turn off people like me and average Republican voters who started out as fans of both Ron DeSantis and Trump, and it made the choice much easier for them. I think that's really, that's very well said. It's very obvious that there's been choices that were consciously and intentionally made to try to drive a wedge between DeSantis and Trump. Choices made on the DeSantis side. And their whole response all along has been to try to say, oh, well, no, no, it's actually the Trump people. The Trump people are the ones that are mean and nasty and they just like their guy and they have, they have, they have insulting memes and they make fun of our guy and it's so, it's so mean and nasty and you guys are terrible. Like, how do you possibly spend four to eight years supporting Trump and then turn around and carry on your campaign like that? You're just you're just submitting yourself to him. He like DeSantis could not have submitted himself to Trump any harder than if he had gotten naked and climbed on a platter, a platter and laid there in the fetal position in front of Trump. Just absolute submission to him. So okay, so that's that one. Then this one here from good friend of the show, Oren McIntyre. This is just an absolute nuke of a tweet. A flagging gubernatorial candidate barely, uh, so he's quote tweeting um, Kurt Schlichter's response to Tim Cast. No, you just prefer Trump. There's no magic move that undoes that. No, 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 no. He says, a flagging gubernatorial candidate barely squeezes out a win against an opponent who would later be caught doing crack with a gay prostitute, largely on the back of Trump endorsement blitz. As a reminder, that's where Ron DeSantis came from. I remember a few years ago talking to libertarians who were like, eh, elections don't matter, and saying, Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum by, I think it was like 33,000 votes. And are you saying, this was at the height of COVID, are you saying that it would have been better if Gavin Newsom was the governor of Florida throughout COVID rather than Ron DeSantis? Because that's the consequence of an election. So it was 33,000 people. That was, the, that was the margin of victory for DeSantis. He barely, barely squeaked into office. Against all odds, he proves to be an incredibly capable executive who takes a stand in the midst of COVID madness and achieves multiple culture war victories while bucking threats from DC and conning hacks. He wins re-election in a massive landslide that flips deep blue segments of Florida to red, reshaping the national electoral map and handles one of the most devastating hurricanes in Florida history like a pro, all while insulting the media like a proto-Trump. This is perfectly summarizing the, the rise of DeSantis. If you were an establishment member of the donor class who wanted to contain a breakout political star who was showing the right how to win and spurring other governors to follow, what would you do? Whisper, you can be president, in his ear. Make him beholden to establishment donors. Surround him with consultants who manage him into the ground, send him into a suicidal contest with the electoral buzzsaw that is basically an incumbent Trump, ensure the destruction of his goodwill and political capital so that when he loses his own state, he becomes a joke, all while fracturing a movement that is fighting against the criminalization of political opposition in the United States? Just a thought. He says, I admire DeSantis, but his campaign is clearly a disaster. Again, you have someone, Orrin McIntyre, regularly has massive bangers all over Twitter, very much part of crafting the conversation. His memes have taken off and defined entire conversations. Like, 
they just want to diddle kids. All these 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 the the touch the sign meme about how the 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 journalist media class just wants to diddle kids. All of these like this is an influential guy. If he's saying the campaign is a disaster, the campaign is a disaster. For your campaign to not be a disaster, you have to get to you you you, you have to avoid getting to the point where influential commentators aren't publicly saying your campaign is a disaster. He says you don't need to be a Trump shill or a mega grifter to see you just to see you just need a pulse. And if you read this as oh my god Trump is amazing instead of political realities exist and you should consider them then I can't help you. Now of course typical DeSantis I don't even know who this guy is. But this is just perfectly characteristic of the DeSantis supporter response to this sort of realpolitik acknowledgement. The bigger problem is the obsession that many on the right have with someone who keeps losing and costing the right political successes and whose one talent is insulting and demonizing others to a massive base of sycophants who refuse to think for themselves. Like, how does a man type like this? It's so whiny. And Oren's response is perfect. He says, if you want to go with GOP voters are stupid and can't pick a capable candidate, fine. But then figure that into your presidential campaign instead of bitching about it. That's uh, case closed. That's it right there. If you want to complain about your voters, complain about the voters being too stupid to understand all these complex political realities, then you should have factored that in in the first place. Again, your campaign is an abject failure. If your campaign gets to the point where your supporters are out there complaining that everyone's just too stupid to recognize how great your candidate is, you're a loser. That bare reality alone, you can kick and scream and fight against it all you want, but you're a loser. And you're a loser doubly so because not just not 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 only did you run a poor campaign, but you're someone who runs poor campaigns. These are two separate but related realities that are equally devastating. So if you're not extremely on Twitter, as some of us are, then you may not, uh, you may not be aware of all of this conversation that's happening because the vast majority of it does happen on Twitter. Right? Granted, Twitter constitutes like, I don't know, 5% of the population or something, or maybe less than that. But it also constitutes like 95% of the conversation. I've watched this happen from for over a decade. I've watched the political landscape build up around like Twitter as the main battlefield. That's where all the trends come. That's where every, everything comes from Twitter. The news begins and ends on Twitter. Which, incidentally, is part of what's so significant about Elon Musk owning it. Get get into that maybe more another time. Uh, so this, a lot of this back and forth, everything has been happening on Twitter, and there's there's a few different specific people who have um, really characterized the way that the the campaign has progressed, and I think it's interesting because it highlights a progression in the factions among the right wing. I think what we've seen is Con Inc. has has split 
So there's been, there was Con Inc. versus Trump. And now, post Biden, it's, it's pretty clear that Con Inc. has itself begun to split. There's a pretty clear divide there. I was talking, going back and forth, tweeting with with uh, uh, some of our, our good buddies on Twitter last night in this whole conversation. And we were talking about Nikki Haley versus Ron DeSantis. Which one is the establishment pick? Well, I think what we're seeing is the right-wing establishment is has has split. That split isn't completely evident just yet because, by and large, the two broad categories of Con Inc. still march in lockstep with one another. But I think that the split is largely on generational lines where you have the stereotypical neocon standard con ink that has existed for a few decades now founded on this naive boomer idealism we've talked about before and that strain runs from the boomers into gen x but then the newer con ink has arisen over the past eight-ish years, really since kind of Trump came on the map. It was happening before that, um, but Trump coming onto the map is what really established guys like Steven Crowder, Ben Shapiro, and then all the smaller versions of them that have cropped up all over the place. You've had these new media outlets that have arisen that are largely run by younger Gen X and millennial right-wing guys who generally see themselves as lockstep with the neocons, but they're, they are at least ostensibly less hawkish on foreign policy. They've tried to really focus on social conservatism at home, and they've tackled the SJW and uh, minimum wage and universal health care and all these different, like they're, they're, they're the guys who were fighting with Bernie Sanders uh, throughout his campaigns. That wing of conservatism is originally kind of came up through Con Inc., but they sort of diverged from Con Inc. because they would be like very critical of the Iraq war. They they at least try to pretend not to be hawkish on foreign policy, and they really just try to pretend foreign policy doesn't exist and just focus on the domestic stuff. But I'm thinking of guys that are along the lines of like the conservatarians. The You had uh, John Gabriel and Stephen L. Miller, Red Steez, uh then you have like Sean Davis at the Federalist and Ben Dominic, Dominic Dominic. I don't know how you pronounce his name. The guy who's who's uh, married to Meghan McCain. Um, and then you've those guys have overlapped into Dave Rubin, Michael Malice. Um, there, there's a lot of they're kind of the younger, more like hip right wingers, but they're not. Like I said last, I, I tweeted last night. I think that. I said they try to pretend they're not really into foreign policy all that much, but if you scratch them, they squeal like a Zionist. Because ultimately, that's the thing that still unites them with Con Inc. is fundamentally their Zionism. But these are the guys who have been very clearly part of the DeSantis milieu. They're the ones who don't... They would... Between Trump and Nikki Haley, they would go with Nikki Haley. But they're not Nikki Haley per se. The Nikki Haley is like the boomer boomers. And then DeSantis is like the millennial boomers. The ones who are coming in and they're trying to they're trying to save that boomer spirit and sort of try to update it and adapt it to all these social issues to try to respond to that and try to fill that that vacuum. 
try to occupy these new power structures. There's Ben Shapiro. Crowder has been a lot part of that milieu for a long time. Once upon a time, they were kind of like the edgy right-wingers. Isn't that wild? Yeah, how far we've come. When like Crowder was considered like the edgy radical fringe. And increasingly through the Twitter and through Trump and 4chan and, and, and uh, the Donald and all the, you've had this whole new milieu that's built up that really they call themselves dissident right or something. NRX was part of this. Um, that's actually one of the things that we're going to talk about um, coming up in the next, uh, next month or so. We've got a couple of uh, fairly significant guys who were influential or related to NRX that we want to talk to and, and ask like basically what happened to NRX, what happened to that energy, how it kind of dispersed into these different camps. And we want to kind of explore that and see what happened, where those different people went and where the ideas are kind of traveling. Um, uh, Slow Boy says, y'all are total normies if you ever thought Crowder was edgy. It's not that I really ever thought Crowder was edgy. It's that Crowder was perceived as edgy. He was he was like the like one of the characters who was held up as being like the the you know the tough masculine um uh, uh very gen x uh like kind of some slapstick and 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 uh uh like absurdist humor and stuff he was framed as being the like the furthest fringe of that and that's Maybe part gavin. of the process yeah gavin yep gavin mckinnis would be another one these are the it's like those guys those guys walked so that the so that the guys after them could run they kind of carved out that space that all the other guys ended up siphoning their audience away from. This is just the way that these communities develop through the internet. So yeah, Tyler says he was edgy for a college campus, which is where I was when I started watching him. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so, so this is kind of the milieu of people that have become that when I'm referring to the DeSantis campaign, I'm not just literally referring to the people who are actually on the payroll that their bio says like being that they're part of the campaign. Cause that's not how political campaigns work now. All of these influencers, especially given who they are, like they're, these are people who built their audience through Twitter. They built their audience by being a part of these growing online communities through Twitter and YouTube and their podcasts and, and all this sort of thing. Those are the, they're they're a, they're like a, a a new evolution of the neocons, and they're different from the neocons. They tend to 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 run in a lot of the same circles. And if you want to be sloppy and just kind of generalize, you could just categorize them all as neocons because of their Zionism. But there's definitely a different flavor to it. There's a reason why they would prefer Ron DeSantis over Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley being the absolute unabashed overt doesn't even make any bones about it neocon and ron DeSantis the tries to hide it under reasonable executive social conservatism uh language he's trying to hide it for a reason because he's trying to appeal to people who don't necessarily want to be associated with the neocons in effect if someone like that was to get elected into some sort of office they would just govern as a neocon that's what's become very obvious is that Ron DeSantis would just be a generic neocon if he ever got into office, but it's not even possible for him to because that's like, it's 2023. That era is 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 behind us. But this this group of of uh, I guess 
I guess part of the reason I'm sort of annoyed by all of this is because these were people who for a long time I listened to and respected, which is commentary on where I was coming from. And, you know, you, you, you never meet your heroes, yada, yada, yada. Um, but like, you know, Red Steez and, and X John and, uh, and to be fair to these spe- those specific guys, I haven't followed them closely anymore. I'm just I just kind of just move. I get on. disillusioned with all of my heroes before I meet them. That's what happened with me for sure. I know yeah. you. I know I used to be your hero, but then we became friends and. Ugh. Yeah. I dragged Big you mistake. along here. <laughs> um. And now look look where we are. Look at us. Look at us. Look at us. Have you ever thought? <laughs> Nope, not this me. Is, it is kind of Twilight Zone. Yeah. Yeah, what was it, like two years ago or something like that? I was spurging out in your, your YouTube chat. And here I am, co-hosting yeah. a podcast. To all of you out there in the chat, one of you could be the future Cooper. When I get tired of him and I want to get rid of him, <laughs> it could be one of you. It's actually, there's kind of a... Unfortunately, a, a... I own... The Kingfield brand. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, if someone wants to buy it off of me, yeah, okay, we're gonna we're gonna auction off your share in the company. Oh, I will auction off my share. <laughs> There's kind of a funny meta here uh, to get to to kind of continue down the side quest because I started this show after being co-host of Wealth, Power, and Influence with Jason Stapleton for a few years which I became co-host of because I listened to the show and he lost his old co-host and needed a new one. And it just worked out that I became his new, uh, his new co-host. Then I leave his show, start my own show, have a co-host, lose that co-host, need a new co-host and pick someone out from the audience. So um, if this trend is going to continue, then you need to start your own podcast, have a co-host lose that co-host and then pick someone from your audience to become your co-host. It's like the, uh, it's a fractal. Well, I was thinking, yes, that, but it's like, uh, it's like in mythology when you have like the castration of the father. (laughs) Fractals in the chat. Uh, well, Emmanuel says I would apply, but I can't pronounce co-host. <laughs> uh, there was another comment in here that I wanted to, uh, hi. Oh, uh, Brody Alexander, shout out Brody Alexander in the chat. He, he did. uh, he put together this, uh, that brilliant spreadsheet of the generations, um, that we were, we talked about on the show in the past. Um, which you can get if you join the, the, the Kingpilled Supporting Listeners Group. We have the link in there, uh, subscribestar.com slash kingpilled. Um, he, uh, he has the perfect term for these millennials who are um, kind of like trying to inhabit the boomer spirit and trying to, trying to bring it into reality desperately, and they're, you know, they're, they're failing because it's a dying spirit. He calls them the, uh, he put it in the chat here, the echo boomers. I think that's perfect, the echo boomers. I need to remember that. So... So Ron DeSantis would be like the echo boomer candidate and Nikki Haley is the boomer candidate. Uh, so probably the most disappointing uh, of these, the, these sort of conservative Twitter influencers who 
um, were once big vocal proponents of Trump, um, but have now uh, turned into this kind of just whiny, obnoxious, uh, just simping for DeSantis kind of vibe is Pedro Gonzalez. So this guy was, let me pick which tweet I wanted to start with here. Um, he, he was very much one of our guys for a while. It seemed very, very clear that he had some fantastic analysis, very, uh, uh, Machiavellian, uh, you know, very clearly has read a lot of Paul Gottfried. He very much understands the realpolitik, the um, the nature of the system, managerialism. He very much gets it. Like he, I've listened, I've read his articles, I've listened to his his uh, uh, to interviews. He was on Pete multiple times and had fantastic conversations with him. I think he was on Buck's show, and very much, very obviously understood the nature of the system, why Trump was successful, the way that Trump came in like a, like a, like a wrecking ball and just pissed off the entire system and how necessary and effective that was. I know that he understands all of this. And then over the past, I don't know, year, year and a half, however long it's been, you you could almost it almost happened overnight where his tone on all of this stuff drastically shifted and all of a sudden every single tweet was all about how amazing Ron DeSantis is and how much of a great president he's going to be and it started out that way and I was kind of like all right dude you know kind of lay off the DeSantis stuff and then it started to get more Trump hostile and it's not that I'm a uh 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 like I have some big affection for Trump I'm not invested in his presidency one way or the other. But I'm so tired of people tut-tutting at me for being entertained by Trump and liking him. Not like being slavishly devoted to him, just enjoying the dynamic of Trump. Recognizing what it does, the way that it ties people in knots, the way that it advances conversation, shifts the Overton window. I just appreciate Trump for what he is. And I'm really just, I've spent eight years listening to all the hall monitors whinging away about all the negative things about Trump and how he's mean and divisive and bombastic and there's no substance to him and yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I spent years listening to Pedro like echo my thoughts perfectly on why Trump is so effective and so necessary for what he is. That now when I see the stuff that he, the way he's leading the charge on this, like, oh, the people who, who, who don't like DeSantis and think he ran a bad campaign are just slavishly devoted to Trump and they're, they're too stupid to know any better. And like these exposés about the corruption and the way people are getting paid off and the, the campaign is running dir- dirty tricks and, and, oh, he did a hit piece. Like, how, how dirty is it? Can you imagine that Trump would do a hit piece on this guy who's, who's, like, actively trying to run against him on every issue? Like, were you born yesterday? The only thing I'm left to conclude is either Pedro Gonzalez has been straight up paid off He's, I don't know, he got a TBI and lost his ability to analyze politics. 
Or worst of all, he isn't even getting paid and he's just functioning as a mouthpiece of the campaign for whatever other reason. It would, it would somehow be more honorable if he was actually getting a paycheck from the campaign. Because I'd be like, hey, man, you got to make some money. Like, whatever. Like, a lot of this stuff is, is fleeting. You know, who, the next president doesn't matter that much. If you can get a bag and move on with your life, hey, I'm not going to hold it against you. But I can't, I can't look at him in the same way now. It's really frustrating. And he epitomizes this sort of dynamic that I'm talking about. I'll read you some examples. So he quote tweeted Oren McIntyre's, one of Oren McIntyre's tweets that I just read a minute ago. And, <clears throat> excuse me. He said, uh, uh, he's, Oren had said, I admire DeSantis, but his campaign's clearly a disaster. You don't need to be a Trump shell or a mega grifter to see that. You just need a pulse. And this is Pedro's take. DeSantis's yeah, wall campaign of text. Has, yeah. DeSantis's campaign has had problems, no doubt. But that's not the full picture. A key problem, one that had to be discovered the hard way, is that Trump I like how you like start network. you use like this really patronizing voice whenever you <laughs> quote these people. <laughs> that's part of my way of 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 not so subtly biasing the audience against the people that's I right. want them to be biased against. <laughs> yeah, you can't help yourself. A key problem, one that had to be discovered the hard way, is that Trump has a patronage network that will not move to or support a different candidate. You don't think. Really. The former president, the narcissistic billionaire, the one who's like, like actively at war with the regime, has his own patronage network that won't support or move to another candidate? Really? Tell me more about how American fucking politics works. For reasons that become obvious, this is a sacred cow. Few people on the right are prepared to poke, let alone slay. Yeah, I don't want to slay it. I want I Trump like to it. have a patronage network. At least That's somebody good. does. Where's your patronage network? That's what this is. This is impotent signaling. Oh, we don't have a patronage network, and you have one, so this, it's not fair. It's not fair that we have to run against your patronage network. There's nothing wrong with our campaign. We just don't have a patronage <laughs> network, and we whine about it all the time. Yeah. Tucker Carlson's first post-Fox advertising deal was with a company in which Donald Trump Jr. is an investor. Wow. You mean they're doing business together? They have aligned interests, and they're doing business together? Very publicly and obviously. Once that happened, the hope of impartiality was gone. Impartiality? <laughs> what? Like, did your Pedro? Did your account get taken? How is this the same person who has fucking read the Machiavellians, who looks up to Paul Gottfried, who understands the way that politics works? who understands the necessity of political formulas, the functioning of the circulation of the elite. How do you understand all of this stuff? And you're whining about a lack of impartiality. Ick. It's the same deal with human events and post-millennial. 
The Human Events Media Group acquisition of Post Millennia was led by Trump donor and booster Jeff Webb, so there was no chance those publications would swing behind or help a Trump rival. Wow, so maybe you should Sounds like Trump is really smart. The loser. Yeah, sounds like Trump is really smart. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. He's buying media networks to 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 proclaim his message. Would weren't you the same guy who was who was talking about how great it is that Trump can like break through the media wall and like talking about the necessity of forming right-wing institutions that can advance this energy? But now it's like some great exposé that look at this. Look at this publicly publicly obvious information that the the MAGA political movement is acting like a political movement and they won't even support another candidate. Consider that when Daniel Penny's legal defense fundraiser blew up because DeSantis promoted it, Post Millennial did a story about it without mentioning DeSantis once. They didn't even mention him. Really? You mean... <laughs> <laughs> it was like Stalinists erasing a purge person. From oh a my photograph. god. <laughs> what in the fuck, dude? Post millennial did a story and they didn't even mention DeSantis. When I was still doing conservative media, I was told that Team Trump was monitoring programs for critics, using their influence to try to suppress them. Wait, wait, you mean, you mean that the president who got into office and then was surrounded by people who constantly undermined him and blockaded everything that he tried to do, you mean he's concerned about loyalty? You mean he's concerned about protecting his image and maintaining his message? Wow. Man, you're a good journalist. I can't believe you're bringing such fantastic observations to light for us. <laughs> There's just no scenario in which a network like this will select a candidate that is best for the movement rather than the network itself, even if the individuals involved were to want the latter. Really? Oh, oh, so what you're saying is that a bureaucracy inevitably gets taken over by the people who are trying to advance the interests of the bureaucracy itself instead of the interest the bureaucracy was founded to promote. Wow. I feel like you should know this. Man, maybe you should have known this ahead of time. The whole thing was described to me simply as, if you play ball, you get access. If you decide that Trump isn't the best way forward, you lose access. And worse, if you don't keep your mouth shut. I, I, like... This should all be so obvious it doesn't even need to be said. If you're a personality, that means no more invitations to Mar-a-Lago for a movie screening or retweets from big accounts. Oh, oh, I see what's going on here. Oh, you lost your privileges. You lost your privileges and you're mad. 
But there was no way of knowing how any of this worked until someone challenged Trump. Then the whole thing sprang into action and circled the wagons around him and himself. Man, sounds like he knows how to run a campaign, huh? The ramifications of all this will extend beyond the primary, regardless of the outcome. There will be permanent fractures and disillusionment. That's how I feel about national right-wing politics right now. But to understand Ugh. why, you have to understand the networks. Ugh. It just... Ugh! This is a double-edged sword, by the way, because if you benefit from it, it's nice, and it can help you do some good or get your message out in your space. But it will also work against you by justifying everything Trump does. Say you're a pro-Trump, tough-on-crime person. Sorry, but if Trump wants to do the First Step Act, you're going to get the First Step Act shoved down your throat. And the harder you protest, the more it will hurt going down. Well, like, yeah. Yeah, this is how presidential politics works. This is how presidential politics has always worked. You're just describing the things that are transparently obvious to anybody who's paying attention. These are the unavoidable realities of presidential politics, and you're whining and complaining about them instead of using them to your advantage. I don't know how someone could be like a Paul Gottfried devotee and then whine and complain that politics is a rigged game and that they got in on the losing side. It's a, just an absolute indictment. I can't take the guy seriously anymore. And he was one of my favorite personalities. And and uh, what was the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Megan McCain's husband called him a barrio Nazi. And it was freaking hilarious. And he handled it like an absolute champ. It, it was fantastic. But now this just characterizes the DeSantis campaign. This is how they've chosen to go about it. They've just rendered themselves all completely irrelevant. The last time the Trump GOP won with all its memes was in 2016. In fact, all it has are memes. Yeah, it works. Yeah. Yeah, do you, like, do you not understand how powerful memes are? Memes were banger, dude. We yeah, had like meme We magic. had fun in 2016. Yeah. Yeah, let's have, I want to have fun again. Right. Give me Trump so we can have fun again. If you... If your guy was fun, maybe people would care. Instead, he's a dorky, awkward goober surrounded by people who are trying to highlight his dorky, awkward gooberness. And you're traipsing around on the internet whining and complaining that people aren't playing fair. In a freaking presidential election. I'm going to read one more here. Okay. I got about 10 minutes. Yeah, that's about all I got too. Okay. So Nate Fisher, another great Twitter guy, um, he responded to the, the, the Pascal Emmanuel Gobri tweet we read originally. He said, agreed. I was open, if not leaning slightly to DeSantis, but many mistakes in the campaign. Basically, Vivek took what made DeSantis popular as governor, moves that push the boundaries of GOP norms, but will definitely be popular with the base, and ran it in the campaign while DeSantis uh -huh. appeared to break in the direction of convention. Yep. Even aside from general lack of energy, clear failure to show clear appreciation for weaponized DOJ. This, this is like all of the energy that people thought that DeSantis was going to bring has been taken up by Vivek. 
and they've left. I think I think really what happened is that the DeSantis campaign wasn't prepared for someone like Vivek to come from the sidelines, and he totally swallowed up all of that energy and left them with nothing to stand on except, well, our guy is effective. Our guy will. Our guy knows how to beat Democrats. Our guy knows how. Hey, our our guy is a is an executive. Don't you want a good, strong executive that is 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 respectable about uh, conservative principles? It's basically all that they were left with. Imagine if DeSantis had taken this Vivek posture. Vivek has, has the only times he's ever even come close to being critical of, of Trump is when he's not doing it like directly and overtly and challenging him because he fully understands just how popular Trump is. And he knows that his own ability to advance will depend upon his ability to ride Trump's coattails. He knows how to play the game. Best case scenario, he can shoot for a, for a VP slot. He understands, or the people who are paying him, again, the campaign and the person are basically... Yeah, he's not going to win. Right. Obviously. So v- VP, yeah, maybe. And anybody who is paying attention should know that DeSantis is not going to win against Trump. The only possible chance for someone like DeSantis would be if like like Trump died or Trump went to prison and it was so he could still go to prison and still win and I think he probably would. I think him going to prison would make it more likely he wins. But their only hope would be that something like that somehow took him out or he was ruled illegal to run and he's taken out, in which case you step in and you fill the vacuum. But if that's the case, then that means you need to win Trump voters. You need to position yourself to where you could theoretically win Trump Trump voters if and when Trump somehow is taken out of the equation. So then probably the best approach isn't directly attack him, rip off his brand, DeSantis war room. Go with the way that, that Vivek has, where he basically never speaks about Trump unless he's going to defend him in a way that promotes both of them. Like when the the Colorado Supreme Court ruled against Trump being on the ballot, and he immediately came out and said, "I'm not even, I will not, I will take myself off the ballot in, in Colorado if Trump's not going to be on it." Brilliant political move, and beyond that, he put the pressure on the other candidates to do the same thing. Where was DeSantis? Why was DeSantis not doing that? Mm-hmm. He's out in his in his in his dorky white rubber boots, like with a bucket scooping water or something. Because like you think that's somehow the key to running a successful campaign in American politics in 2023. It's just incredibly out of touch. So, of course, we got it. Pedro's Pedro's got to get his 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 DeSantis defense in. He sits down. He's okay. Let's hammer it out on the keyboard here. Vivek is a grifter who within a few months went from celebrating Juneteenth to condemning it, went from claiming the election wasn't stolen to insisting it was, went from trying to profit from COVID hysteria to LARPing as a civil libertarian, went from likening Trump to sore loser Stacey Abrams to playing his stalking horse and bootlicker in the primary. What? A presidential candidate is not consistent? (gasps) He adapted his personality to fit the demand of the people? You're kidding me. Say it ain't so. Wow, why did your guy not do that? It seems to be working really well for him. 
Vivek seems to really be benefiting from his about faces. Wait, do you actually think that like being consistent in your stances matters for a presidential candidate? Never has. Did you get a brick dropped on your head in the last couple of years? Like Trump, Vivek talked and said a lot, but DeSantis is the only person in his primary whose policies made the CEOs of Disney and BlackRock cry. It's also reflected in state Republican parties. Huh, maybe that's where he should have stayed. If he was so effective, maybe he should have kept doing it. Instead of running an absolute embarrassing, catastrophic failure of a campaign. Yeah, he just ruined, he just totally tanked his, his political career henceforth. Right. So all of these people who are trying to campaign for DeSantis and simultaneously absolutely besmirching his brand with all of this whiny horse shit are contributing to robbing us of having DeSantis as the governor of Florida, getting term limits knocked down and continuing as governor of Florida and setting a standard for all the other governors to follow. You took that away from us, Pedro. You're responsible for that. Team Trump talks a lot, especially online, about taking back the country. But what's actually happening? In short, the more Trumpian a state party becomes, the worse it is run. Michigan and Colorado are both run by diehard Trump loyalists. They're both going broken or in shambles. The same is true of Arizona and Minnesota. Meanwhile, Democrats have been eviscerated in Florida. DeSantis keeps removing progressive prosecutors from office. Wow. So he's doing a really good job at this essential thing, but you think the way to do it is take him away from that and run the most incompetent political campaign of all time. Wow, you've got great political instincts. DeSantis doesn't have Bud Light podcasters in his corner. He doesn't do <coughs> TikToks with Jake Paul, but he does yes. actually inflict pain on Democrats in a way others in this primary, Trump included, only Ugh. talk about doing. Ultimately, this Ugh. primary is going to show whether the right wants to be entertained and traffic in empty hot takes or actually win and advance an agenda. I want to be entertained in traffic and empty hot takes. Yes. That's yes. what I want. That's very you know, obviously what people want from presidential politics. And, you know, backing up to what he said about Michigan, Xavier in the chat, he was like, Michigan, what? And I'm also like, what? Have you been to Michigan? What did he say about Michigan? Uh, oh, Michigan and Colorado are both run by diehard Trump loyalists who are going broken in shambles. I don't know what that means. I think he means the state parties. The Republican ah, state parties. Okay. Um, I don't know. They seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah, I don't. I've. It doesn't like. I don't care. It doesn't. If 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 you think that the condition outside of, the state of cities, parties, outside of the cities, which is always the case, uh, Michigan is just getting redder and redder. It's probably like mm. probably like Burgundy. Uh huh. Or like pretty close to black. I think the, uh, like, if this is something that he was legitimately concerned about, like, the way to go about this, if you were Pedro Gonzalez of a couple of years ago, and he's a stand-in for all these different guys who have completely sold out for DeSantis like this, we're just selling out for the new and improved version of Con Inc. 
if you were actually concerned about the state of those local parties, you're like, well, when Trump, like Trump is clearly an inevitable force electorally. And having Trump be that is much better than having him not. And there's no possible conceivable way that he will not be that. So trying to run against him as a Republican, trying to veer toward this, toward the uh, 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 conventional Republican perspectives with someone like DeSantis is just, it's just retarded. The way you would do it, if you're genuinely actually concerned about something like that, and you're not just looking for something to whine about that seems substantial, then you would go get involved in trying to run those and make them better. Take Trump for granted. Understand how frickin' politics works. And then operate within that frame. And make it better within that frame. Because it's not like there's all that the, the, the Trump movement on a national level means. And we're just going to be like, oh, no, but look at this. The state parties aren't being run properly because of Trump. That's just a, con that's just a condemnation of you and your ilk. You should be out there running the part, the state parties better or encouraging other people to do so. Describe to people how we can both have Trump and have the state parties run well. But that would be a lot harder than just whining and complaining about people not playing fair. That a presidential candidate with tons of resources bought media outlets. And those media outlets ran a story that your candidate was involved in and they didn't mention him and it was like Stalinism cutting somebody out of a picture. Give me a fucking break. Anyways. Well, Emmanuel guys. says, Ron DeSantis needs a deep fake of his fake awkward smile with the strong body. That would actually be a good meme. It would, yeah. Somebody call up uh, his, his campaign team or whatever, whoever's in charge of that. Uh, the, the DeSantis war room. And give yeah. him a, a good meme idea. Like, uh, uh -huh. take his, his goofy smile and put it over Mike Menser's body. Yeah. <laughs> There's just so many ways that, that they could have made Dude, it. I could run this campaign better than whoever uh -huh. they've got. And I have yeah. zero experience. Even a retard like Cooper could run it better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, both of us got to bounce here, so... Yeah. This is a fun one. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Let me know what you guys think of the uh, of uh, what we've been talking about lately. Leave us a comment. If you're uh, listening on the podcast, leave us a rating and review. We very much appreciate that. And uh, like the posts. What do we got right now? How are you guys doing? Uh, we have 32 viewers presently and 20 likes. So y'all got to get your likes up. Uh, who was? Okay, Willie or Jenkins. Dislikes. Welcome to the King Pilled again. Um, oh yeah, Cooper and I were looking at our analytics uh, earlier today, and the episode from yesterday is the most disliked episode that we've had in I don't know, like a year. It's funny the the uh, part of our social experiment of talking about flat Earth and seeing what happens because of it. Um, apparently, people didn't like that conversation. To which we say, mm. I don't care. We uh, oh yes. Yes, thanks for the reminder, fellas. Uh, we'll be on Buck uh, Buck Johnson's show. Oh, yes. Yes. Talking about uh, stuff. Yeah, we talked about the generational stuff um, on uh, good friend Buck Johnson's show on Counterflow, and he said it's going to be premiering here in an hour and a half over on 
on uh, the, the Counterflow YouTube channel. Uh, so guys, go watch that and share that out if you would. Uh, let us know what you think of it. Follow me on Twitter, at RealKingPilled. Follow Cooper the Lurker, at Cooper Brooks. And we will talk to you guys next time.